Snap Studios. Step Judgment is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Support for Snap Judgment comes from Odoo. What is Odoo? Well, Odoo is the only software your business will ever need. Featuring a suite of integrated business applications, Odoo connects your business operations together so you can get more done in less time. Odoo has apps for everything. CRM, accounting, sales, HR, inventory, marketing, manufacturing, you name it. Odoo's got it. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash snap. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash snap. Welcome to Letters from Lockdown, a Snap Judgment production. My name is Glenn Washington. Now, as you may know, Team Snap has been talking with people from all over the world to provide advice on how to get through our current situation, this time of quarantine, lockdown, sheltering in place, whatever you call it, wherever you are, whatever is going on, we're going to get through this together, Snap Nation, and we're proud to present some hope and guidance in our sixth installment of Letters from Lockdown. First up, Alma. Alma was living in the suburbs of Sarajevo when Serbian paramilitary forces invaded her neighborhood and threatened to put her, her father, and her brother into a camp. Her family escaped, running deep into the city, a city under siege with bombings and sniper shootings. That siege lasted for four years. My name is Alma Talibacirevic. I am originally from Sarajevo, Bosnia and Herzegovina. That's where I was born, lived most of my life. I was 13 when the war started, and we were living in one part when paramilitary came. They were taking uh, any adult male to the camps. One night, my mother was able to to find a connection uh, on the border to the city. So we we escaped into the city, deeper into the city, which was something called free territory. It was kind of like a ghetto. My very important thing was I brought my dog, I set her with us when we were running away. I was like, I'm not leaving her. She's coming with us. She has to be with us. And her name was Lakica. Uh, she was a very cheerful dog, always was dancing, kind of happy. So uh, we gave her name Lakica because there was a famous dancer. Her name was Lakica Stefanovic. So we were like, you're like Lakica dancer. She was always with me. I lived in a, in a huge building on the ninth floor. We would all sleep in a, this like a corridors between the apartments because we didn't have a single window. Bombing was uh, basically every day on a regular basis and the snipers were everywhere with the dogs. They, they have certain intuitions. So she would sometimes kind of start 
you know, barking or being all nervous before the bombing starts. Like if she could feel something's coming. So that's what she was like, our, our alarm that we should maybe go to shelter or, or go to the back room or in the corridor. Winters in Bosnia can be very harsh. You can have sometimes even minus 10 Celsius or minus 20. So it can be very tough. So having this warm creature all wrapped up and cuddling with you could help you not freeze. And she did. She was like my radiator. She was my heater during the wartime. My mom would never let me get out to walk my dog or any of that. So she learned herself to go out to pee by herself, come back to the ninth floor, to our door, and knock with her tail. She actually, she, she gave birth twice during the war. <laughs> that was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in my life. She had seven puppies. We succeed to give notice to the local radio station that we are giving away puppies. And we distributed them in like less than a week. People just were like, yes, I want to have a dog. I want to have a dog. I, I felt very grateful to have my dog with me. She was my best friend. And, and when no one else would understand me, it felt good to have her nearby as someone close, someone warm, someone who actually is a proof that I had a life before this hell. And, and that life was real. Thank you, Alma. Thank you so much for sharing your story with The Snap. Now, our next story is from Kobo Chi. He was arrested twice when he was a student in Myanmar. It was 1988, during the nationwide uprisings calling for democracy and the release of political prisoners. We really wanted to have freedom. I was first arrested in 1990. At the time, I am 23 years old. I was taken to the interrogation center. I was interrogated for eight days. I did not see any sunlight for eight days. Military intelligence officer told me I will be in prison for several years. I was not allowed to read, to write, to study anything. I was locked up in the tiny cell. Nothing to do. It was really boring and lonely. I was thinking what I, I could do. Before, before I was in prison, I could not speak, I could not read, or I could not write English. I was very lucky. The next room was placed by professors. He can speak English. When the prison guard was away, he spoke of one sentence or two sentences. I wrote down on the concrete and Memorize. I remember one, one idiom that is rainy cats and dogs. So rainy cats and dogs. After that, I approached to the prison guard who sympathized us. So finally he understood and he smuggled one pages, one pages of dictionary if you got a chance. I memorized the pages. After that, I ate that pages. Yeah, I ate a lot of pages of dictionary. In order to avoid for detecting by the prison authority, uh, I ate it. I ate those pages. When I was in prison, I never think for my release. 
I ain't talk for my release day, I won't be crazy because it's really long. What I am thinking is what I can do now. I'm trying to be survive. That is my decision. In order to survive, survive me not only physically, I'm trying to survive my intellectual. So I need to be keep busy myself. So therefore, I study my English whenever I got a chance. Nowadays, many people are forced, forced to stay in home because of COVID-19 quarantine. At this time, so my advice to you is do productive something, even though small or big. Do something. That is really important. Learning gave me the hope to do something after I was released. Thank you, Kobo Chi. Now I'm learning lots of new stuff in quarantine, like how to juggle pots and pans, how to cut dog hair when the dog is still running top speed, how to fry stuff that's not supposed to be fried. All that, it's not exactly like eating pages of a dictionary to learn an entire new language, but I'm trying. Now, our story up next, it doesn't exactly come from a lockdown, lockdown situation, but when Jordan was a senior in high school, he did find himself stuck in a city far, far away from home. My name's Jordan Michael. I'm in New Orleans, Louisiana. I was headed toward senior year of high school, big man on campus, all my friends are just kind of excited. We were in school for maybe a week or two and Katrina happens. I packed for about two, three days. I even brought my pre-cal textbook because I had a test that come in Monday. And um, then we got the news. The schools were closing, our house was damaged. So there was really no going back. It was a heck of a curveball. We drove out to DC. It was just like, wow, um, we're in a new city. Who are these new people? You know, what is this new school? like? Uh, you can't escape the thought of what life at home might have been like, what you might be missing out on. Um, I had bought this car, and then Nissan 300Z is like my little sports car. And it's like, man, I, what would, where would I be going? Where would I be in the city had this not happened? I wonder what you know my best friends are doing. The loneliness. It's, it's a heavy, it's a, it's a visceral, it's a tightness in your chest. Um, for me, it's, I, it's hard to even take a deep breath. The days were moving by really, 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 really slow. You're having to adjust to some pretty difficult mental circumstances. And they're asking me for homework. I'm like, y'all, homework? Come on, y'all. I don't have my homework. <laughs> I don't have my homework. Uh, the times I felt happiest uh, was the T who had messaged me on AIM. Right, AIM, a little AOL instant messenger. So um, you got to send a bunch out to get a bunch back, right? So I used to just wake up in the morning and everybody that was on the list, like I'd send a little update. I'm hitting names. Ooh, I don't care. We didn't talk. Like I'm just, and then I'd look forward to like getting home. You no, know, yeah, dial up and stuff. <laughs> and uh, 
get on there and I'd see all my messages come back through. There was just no great, like, especially when you're looking for that one, that one or two where you're like, okay, I'm looking forward to these responses. Um, But those were just, that was more important than homework. I was on AIM one day and it was like all my messages had been just like came through. And it had been my girlfriend at the time trying to get through to me. And she had sent me that song. Mary J. Blige. Been you too strong for too long, and I can't be without you, baby. No, I'm in love with you. I remember like being in the basement, just being like, like my cell phone didn't work. It's freezing. It's snowing outside, and I'm like, oh, Mary J. That that was a that was a a, a cool moment for me. Community, intentional connections. That bond of, uh, I see you, I know you, I'm in this place with you. That was my first uh, real experience with that. Katrina forced a sense of like intentional staying in touch. Everybody had so many stories about like what school they had been to and what kind of people were out there. And I really valued my inner circle after that. We're still in touch and it's like, Wow, this is the silver lining now. My advice for people right now, high school seniors maybe even, is don't be afraid to be the one that like calls first and create that space for, for vulnerability and, and for, for sadness and for joys and for sharing stories. Good relationships don't just pop into your lap. That's something that has to be cultivated. Big love from Team Snap to all you seniors graduating these next few weeks. You may feel further apart than ever from your classmates, but if you follow Jordan's advice and pick up the phone or your computer or whatever it is, maybe even a pen and paper, this may be an opportunity to create a bond that will last a lifetime. Whatever happens, graduation this year will be one to remember. Our final piece of advice takes us to our own backyard, to San Francisco, back in the 90s, during the height of the AIDS crisis. My name is Brian Basinger, and I am a 53-year-old gay guy who lives in San Francisco, and I'm talking to you about a beautiful home I once lived in on a small little street called Pearl. It was a, you know, Edwardian three-bedroom It was just kind of this little hidden bubble. So the guys upstairs, it was a gay couple, they owned a floral shop. They smoked a lot of weed. In my unit, it was me, and then my best friend Joseph, and then our friend Paul. And on the bottom floor was Jack, the landlord, who was my gay dad, and his best friend George. It was absolutely the center of a loving universe of this very large extended family. Yes, we had a good time because we were enjoying the heck out of each other. It was the early 90s. The AIDS epidemic was already in full force. People had escaped to San Francisco and run as far as you possibly could 
there was nowhere left to run to. So we all made a stand and we decided that this was the place. You know, there was this whole interrelational phenomenon around HIV and human interaction where is it safe to touch them? You know, especially when you were visibly sick, right? And so people with AIDS, you know, especially back then, um, there were physical signs where, you know, somebody could walk down the street and you're like, oh, they got AIDS. And, you know, I looked like that guy. I had mothers put their hands over their children's eyes and turn their faces away from me so they wouldn't see me. So yeah, there was, you know, that two-year period where I I didn't leave the house much at all. I really kind of had a self-imposed, you know, lockdown and exile. Pearl Street was an unofficial AIDS hospice. And um, when I lived there, 30 gay guys came there to die. And we all just took care of them. We took care of each other. Practical stuff, you know, grocery shopping, feeding, right? You keep them distracted. If they're down in the dumps, you cheer people up. It wasn't a month. It wasn't a year. It was year after year after year of relentless death. And the beautiful part about it is that we found incredible joy in all of that. This beautiful support that we had never really experienced or expected. We were afraid, um, but we were also fearless. We were determined to have joy in the middle of that. My advice is you have to find joy, um, especially when things are tough like this. It's the medicine and it's the way through. Um, It's what gets you to the other side. Big thanks to Brian, one love. You know, as crazy as this time is, Blackdown has given moments of light along with the darkness. And personally, in my neighborhood, my next door neighbors, Kirk and Susie, they lead our neighborhood through a series of six o'clock line dances on the street every single day, rain or shine, with no thanks, with no support team. They bring everyone together, even as we stay six feet distant. And I'm far, far too oafish to join on a daily basis, but it's things like that and people like this that I'm going to remember from this time. I hope you have some good things to remember as well. And that's it from our Letters from Lockdown series for now. We hope we will not have to bring the series back in the fall, but if we do, our team will be busy collecting more of your stories. The music was by Renzo Gorio. Our stories were produced by Naomi Zeveloff. Shayna Sheely, Liz Mack, 
and Anna Sussman. Support for Snap Judgment comes from Odoo. What is Odoo? Well, Odoo is the only software your business will ever need. Featuring a suite of integrated business applications, Odoo connects your business operations together so you can get more done in less time. Odoo has apps for everything. CRM, accounting, sales, HR, inventory, marketing, manufacturing, you name it. Odoo's got it. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash snap. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash snap.